0: A happy Thursday to you all. Happy BYU Football Media Day. Plenty to get to ahead on this edition of Locked on Cougars, but some of you may be listening to this before BYU Media Day gets going. Some of you may be listening during it, and some may be listening to it afterwards, but nonetheless, a happy Thursday to you all. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode. We're going to talk BYU football recruiting, a bevy of commitments. We're going to run down everything you need to know about BYU football recruiting so far. Of course, we'll look back on BYU football history as part of the 100 seasons of BYU Football countdown as we look back at 1967 for the Cougars. How did things go as they tried to replace Virgil Carter? And of course, we will catch you guys up on everything else going on in BYU sports news like we typically do. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over the Locked On College Football Channel. They have five conference-specific podcasts covering the Power 5 conferences, ACC, SEC, Pac-12, Big 12, or Big 10. If you have an interest in any of those conferences, search out the respective podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. All right, without further ado here on a Thursday, let's dive on in. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 17th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. And once again, a big thank you for joining us on your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. A little bit of a programming note. Today's podcast is this one, the one's technically on a Thursday. We'll probably have a second one come out later today. I'm going to go down to BYU Football Media Day after my other radio responsibilities are concluded for the day, and I'll probably record a podcast down there in Provo. Who's going to be on it? What are we going to talk about? Well, we'll just talk about whatever the news of the day that comes out of BYU Football Media Day is. So you may see two Thursday editions, but the second edition that we do later this afternoon, if it doesn't post till later tonight sometime in that time frame. It'll count as our Friday edition. So hopefully that makes sense to you guys. And we'll talk about 1968 as well in BYU football history as part of the 100 seasons of BYU football countdown during that edition. So a little bit of a note of what you can expect moving forward. All right, getting going here on a Thursday. Let's talk some BYU football recruiting. And boy, howdy, have the Cougars been busy. I talked about was probably two weeks ago when the BYU uh, recruiting opened up, the NCAA recruiting window opened up up, all that stuff. June 1st, obviously, with the dead period ending. Well, BYU has been having guys on campus for weeks now. uh, Two weeks just over that, and I I told you guys on this podcast, if you guys were listening, I talked about the fact that I heard from a staff member down there, they anticipated having unofficial visitors essentially every day on campus, and potentially official visits as often as multiple times a week, it was just going to be a crazy, crazy month for the Cougars, they also have their camps going on which a lot of guys are visiting BYU in addition to that, it kind of lends itself to both, but just an absolutely insane calendar, not schedule, schedule and calendar I try to put those two together, but my apologies. But an insane schedule for BYU, but they have benefited from this. They have added a bunch of commitments recently, and we're going to talk about those guys. So let's start off with this. BYU recently added the commitment of a 2024 prospect in Dallin Johnson out of Springville High School. Huge BYU fan. Everything about his social media feed says he grew up blue through and through, and we got that offer from BYU. He was not about to let it go. He's going to be a cougar. He's a young offensive line prospect, a guy that's... Measures in at 6'3", 265 right now at Springville. But if you see his skill set on film, you can see the tools of why BYU is excited to offer him and looking forward to seeing what happens down the road for him he's gonna turn into i think a more high-level prospect as time goes on he's still very young very raw but i think he has all the skills to be a high-level player for the cougars next up is brooks jones he committed as out of american leadership academy in arizona he is the younger brother of current byu defensive back dean jones dean is a very different player a guy who did rodeo etc measures in i think six foot three brooks jones is a basketball player uh, plays at 6'6", six, six, 200 pounds on the basketball team for ALA down there in Arizona. A guy that BYU thinks can contribute on the football field. Very intriguing prospect, because at that size, 6'6", six, six, 200 pounds, he put some weight on him. The thought is he probably could play defensive end for BYU, be a pass rusher. We'll have to see how he develops, but it's a very interesting offer, and obviously having the family connections with his older brother being a Cougar, that helped BYU in terms of securing his commitment. They also got another one that this one's wild to me. Richfield High school. It's in uh, southeastern Utah, I-70 corridor out there, middle of nowhere and I don't mean that to denigrate Richfield, but just way off the radar, let's be honest about this. They received a commitment from uh, Richfield High School star, Caden Chidester, and he's not a star on the football field, he's a star on the basketball diamond and according to what I read, Kalani Satake actually offered him based off of watching him play hoops. They saw the skill set they thought could be a guy that translates to the football field. He's listed at six foot seven for Richfield, you never can necessarily rely completely on uh, high school stats in terms of their height and weights. But a guy who apparently be what you thinks can be a contributor. I hear that they're going to look at him as a tight end initially, but maybe make him a defensive lineman if that doesn't work out. This is a flyer, folks. A guy who has never played football in his life. Uh, just a very intriguing story here to see if he can translate his basketball skills to the gridiron it just man BYU's taking some flyers in this class folks and if it pays off they found some absolute diamonds in the rough but you do have to have those pay off that's the thing about it other guys who committed: eight-man football prospect Cooper Ross has committed out of Heritage Academy in Arizona. Six-foot-five, two hundred and forty-five-pound athlete. Tell you this much: he looks the part of a D-one athlete. Six-five, 245, Man, you can't teach that in football. But he plays eight-man football for a very small high school down there in Arizona, uh, reminiscent of the offer to Colin uh former eight-man star that committed to Bronco Mendenhall. Had a wild season, not even a full season. BYU before leaving. He's had his struggles since then. We'll see if it translates for Cooper Ross this time. 8-man football to 11-man football can work for guys. Other guys it doesn't work out so well for. But we will see. Uh, like I said, 6'5", 245 pounds. You can't teach that type of size. Well, But you have to hope that you can translate that to 11-man football in D1. Obviously, playing 8-man football, just a different style. So, going to be intrigued to see what happens with Cooper Ross. And the and finally, that brings us to Braxton Feely uh, out of Timview High School. So the one local guy just up the road at Timview High School, I like Feely. I've seen him play multiple times. Six foot two, about 250 pounds right now. My thought is he's going to continue to fill out his frame, and he could end up playing defensive tackle for BYU. Think of a guy currently like a Lorenzo Falatea, not a Kairos Tonga who plays nose tackle, more of a guy who ends up probably weighing six, it goes six three, 280 pounds, plays that three technique on the defensive line if that makes sense, like Lorenzo Falatea does for BYU, or if he doesn't necessarily. Feel out to that degree he could play that bigger defensive end spot like a Zach Daw for BYU did last year so some intriguing prospects all the way around I am intrigued by all of them We'll continue to track all this recruiting and make sure you guys are aware of everything going on as we roll through here. Camps are still ongoing. I'm sure there'll be other offers extended. I'm sure they're going to be coming out on social media. We'll recap all of that, probably do another update next week with everything else that happens in BYU. Oh, and one other note, talking with some people, Iolani Ross, a former star at Sky Ridge High School in Lehigh, Utah, signed with UCLA, recently entered the NCAA transfer portal, and reportedly BYU very much in the mix to bring him him home to Utah to play for the Cougars. Of course, he's got family. The Ross brothers, uh, his, his dad and uncle, both were stars for BYU in the 1990s. His younger brother, Stanley, plays for Skyridge right now. Could be a very intriguing addition for BYU as a linebacker slash pass rush specialist if it works out that way, but very intriguing. He signed with UCLA, like I mentioned, but decided that was not the spot for him and apparently might be coming home to play for BYU in his Proverbial backyard, Lehigh to Provo ain't that far folks. And then one final note for you guys is the BYU recently gave a preferred walk on offer to Spencer Ferguson out of Davis High School. Had over 1700 yards and a bevy of touchdowns for Davis High School up there in Davis County last year. I really like this offer. He's an undersized running back. I know there's a lot of people who say you don't ever take a white running back, but Spencer Ferguson was extremely productive in high school playing for the Davis Darts. I really liked his game. I tracked him very closely working with the Zone Sports network do a lot of Northern Utah high school football, especially up in that region, and he was a great player up there in Region 1. So, I think this is a low risk, potential high reward offer, especially as a preferred walk-on. There's no skin in it for BYU figuratively with a scholarship etc. to bring him in. It sounds like he will serve a mission before enrolling with the Cougars. So there you go. You guys are caught up on everything you need to know about BYU recruiting in that regard. And one two other notes that I broke news on earlier this week. Rhett Riley, the walk-on quarterback, Valley Center High School, younger uh, yeah, oh, not younger brother, cousin of former Utah Star Trevor Riley and former BYU defensive back Drew Riley has entered the transfer portal in addition to Luke Andrada out of Pueblo High School, Pueblo East High School in Pueblo, Colorado. Uh, Luke Andrada just never was able to find a position that worked for him a former high school quarterback, but just couldn't find a spot where he could stick at BYU and he's decided to look elsewhere. That's not to say that both of them couldn't return to BYU, but for all intents and purposes, they are looking to move on with their football playing careers. So there you go. Once again, I've probably said it two or three times in this segment I'm wrapping up, but nonetheless, you guys are up to speed. Now, coming up next, we're going to talk about 1967 for the BYU football program, replacing Virgil Carter. How did the Cougars do under Tommy Hudspeth? we'll get to all of that in just a moment today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Rock Auto with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models in cars it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to suck all the parts you need even at a dealership they don't have it why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing only the brands that their warehouse happens to have you can use your own computer with access to rockauto.com and check it out or even Look at it on your phone with your mobile device, guys. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why spend up to the 30, 50, maybe even a hundred percent more for the same parts when you can go to rockauto.com. It's a family business, been serving do it yourselfers on their cars for over 20 years. They're always reliably low in terms of their pricing for every customer. There's not a different price for professional or yourself. They've got everything you ever could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. I would encourage you guys to check them out. Go explore their easy easy-to-use website today and find the solutions for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck now. Write Locked On or Locked On Cougars in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you guys amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. Continuing on with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown now, looking back at 1967 for the BYU football program. And it's not every day that you go out and just replace an All-American quarterback. I know that Lavelle Edwards did it for seemingly the better part of two decades, but in everyday football, and I know that sounds like a weird term, but it just doesn't happen. And Virgil Carter moved on from BYU in 1966 to be chronicled yesterday, but BYU was trying to replace him in 1967, But one thing that will help is having a very solid quarterback in addition to a potential All-American at wide receiver and a bevy of other wide receivers who can step up around that All-American. What I'm talking about, I am talking about the Arvada Flash himself, Mark Lyons spent many, many years as the color commentator for both Paul James as well as Greg Rubel before recently retiring. Riley Nelson now sits in that chair alongside Greg Rubel. But Mark Lyons was a good, good player for BYU before he moved into the broadcast booth. And 1967, he split time at quarterback with two other guys, but took the bevy of the snaps as the season progressed and became their starting quarterback until he graduated after that. For the year, uh, speaking of Mark Lyons, he Passed uh, for fifty point eight percent completion percentage, so not great. One thousand three hundred and thirteen yards, an average of six point eight yards per attempt. Had nine touchdowns against eight interceptions. Uh, completed ninety eight of one hundred ninety three passes. The two other quarterbacks that take snaps at quarterback were worse. Terry Sanford forty one of ninety seven, eight touchdowns against five interceptions, four hundred and seventy nine yards. And John Erdhouse thirty eight of eighty. That's a nice completion percentage of forty seven 5%, three touchdowns against four interceptions, just no real standout until Mark Lyons really I think took the job in 1968 that we'll talk about later on today or tomorrow depending when you listen to it, we'll talk more about how his career progressed but it did help the fact that BYU had a star at wide receiver and I'm speaking of as many of you probably will recall Phil Odle, an absolutely stellar senior campaign for the former Marine in his third and final season for BYU, 77 receptions, 900 171 yards, an average of 12.6 yards per reception, nine touchdowns was just an absolute sensation at wide receiver for BYU. A man amongst boys, just an absolute legend. I know Steph O'Dell is out there. She's on Twitter, on social media. She's been very vocal about her father's legacy. He is still top 10 all time, I believe, in career receptions for BYU. Just an absolutely incredible player that needs to be chronicled more, I feel like, in BYU football history. I know the quarterbacks get the run because they have the ball in their hands, but Phil Odell, absolutely sensational. Casey Boyette also a very good player for BYU. He had 37 receptions on the season an average of 12.9 yards per reception as he totaled 479 yards just two touchdowns but Boyette for his efforts actually got drafted after this season came back to BYU in 1968. He was drafted by the San Francisco 49ers but opted to return to school for his senior year in 1968 so it helps a quarterback when they got two guys they can rely on at wide receiver. Let's look no further than last year with Zach Wilson what would he have done had he not had guys like a Uh, who am I thinking of? Dax Mill, man, Dax Mill skipped my mind there for a moment, as well as Gunnar Romney. I know the tight ends, the running backs were all a big part of it, but you need to have a reliable receivers. And that's what BYU got in this 1967 season. Well, what did it yield, Jake? You're probably wondering, what was this record? Well, you guys can go look it up. They went six and four on the season, three and two in the whack, finished in third place. Wyoming, we talked about uh, last uh, yesterday, not last time, yesterday, they were the number six team in the country in 1967. Once again, they went ten and one on the season. They were five and zero in the WAC. Just an absolute sensation in terms of the Wyoming Cowboys. This was their best era of football by far. Just absolutely incredible. Arizona State finished eight and two in their own right. They were four and one in the WAC, and then BYU checking in at six and four, three and two in the conference. BYU opened the year against New Mexico at home, winning that game in fine fashion, forty-four to fourteen over the Lobos. Then they smoked Western Michigan in a non-conference game the following week, forty-four to nineteen. So they're 2 and 0 they've scored 88 points you're like man this thing's easy, probably, if you're a BYU fan in 1967, especially coming off what they had done in 1966. Well, then they went to Wyoming, and obviously, as we mentioned, Wyoming went 10-1. They were 5-0 in the WAC. Well, they smoked BYU up there in Laramie, 26-10. to The Cougars did bounce back with a second straight road game. They went to Oregon State, beat the Beavers 31-13, to before losing in blowout fashion to UTEP in El Paso, 47-17. to So, at that juncture, halfway through their season, BYU Sits in three and two. Then they have their annual rivalry games against Utah and Utah State in back to back weeks. They host Utah on October 28th, get their third straight win over the Utes 17-13. to This has not happened before in BYU football history, and winning three straight games over BYU, in addition to back-to-back victories that we talked about yesterday. Tommy Hudsmith was the toast of the town. He has beaten the Utes three straight years. What a stud. Well, then BYU went to Utah State and got routed 30-9. to So, a little luster taken off, but you obviously beat Utah. BYU fans are going to take it. Then the Cougars finish out the year with a win over Arizona 17-14 to 14 in Provo, went to Arizona State, lost twenty 31-22, uh, to 22, and then finished out the year in just explosive fashion, absolutely crushing San Jose State 67-8, to eight. you heard that right, 67 points scored in a route against San Jose State to send out the year, so as a season as a whole, 6-4, not a great season, but also not too bad, considering you're replacing an All-American at quarterback, but BYU obviously looking to get back to... on top of the mountain after winning that conference title in 1965. They finished second in 1966, third in 1967. What would 1968 hold? We'll talk about that on our next edition of the Locked on Cougars podcast. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll catch you guys up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan on this Thursday ahead of BYU Football Media Day. We'll touch on those topics here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Bet Online, Folks, they are the best place and the easiest place to bet on all of your sports action, no matter your interest. Golf, UFC, MMA, NBA, cricket for all I know, uh, baseball, no matter what it is, Bet Online has the odds and the way for you guys to bet. And it's really simple and easy to use. Go to BetOnline.ag, whether you use your mobile browser on your mobile device or your at home. Sign up for free and also take advantage of their 50% welcome bonus. You heard that right, 50% of whatever you deposit the first time, you can get added in as free money to bet with. Do it using the promo code Locked On at BetOnline.ag. So once again, go to BetOnline.ag, sign up now, and when you make that first deposit, use the promo code Locked On for that 50% welcome bonus. It's all courtesy of our friends over at bet online as they are your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks. Before we go here on this Thursday edition of the show, one note I failed to note—that's probably a weird back-to-back use of notes there—but nonetheless, in 1967, BYU actually set a whack record with 377 rushing yards in that victory over Utah. It was the whack record for a time. When you rush for almost 400 yards against your a uh, uh, rival, you should win that game. And BYU grounded out 17 to 13, but absolutely pulverizing the Utes on the ground in that victory—a very impressive number. 77. 77- 377 yards. Man, it's a lot of yards to think about, but BYU did it in that win over Utah. One thing I failed to note as we talked about 1967 playing out for the Cougars. All right, now to on to other business. Let's catch you guys up on everything else you need to know about it as a BYU fan here on a Thursday. One thing to note, and you may be listening to this before, BYU Football Media Day, I talked about earlier this week, I, I told you guys on Monday to expect an announcement from Open Doors regarding name, image, and likeness for BYU athletes. I'm expecting that to come early this morning, probably in that state of the program thing that BYU TV puts on to kind of kick off unofficially BYU Football Media Day at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. Stay tuned for that, folks. If you listen to this podcast, you're going to be in the know. You're ahead of the curve. If you listen to this before the show before that, that show kicks off, before me, BYU Media Day kicks off. Sounds like there may be some pretty high-powered legislators from the state of Utah in attendance to talk about this as well. So stay tuned. I think that's what it's going to entail is BYU is trying to get on the cutting edge of name, image, and likeness, getting their student-athletes as big of an opportunity and as big of an advantage as they can get with this. I know the legislation is still not in place for NIL in terms of the NCAA at either the federal level or at the NCAA level, but it's coming. They're working on it, and BYU wants to be ready for it. I think they're going to have some innovative ideas. It sounds like they may offer some opportunities in terms of internships, guys to be able to go out, student-athletes to be able to go out, and – work with companies during their off-seasons, whether it's football during the summer, other guys, if it's like their off-season is during the school year, no matter what it is, they'll be able to go work with these organizations, these companies, get real-world experience and benefit from it financially. That's, I think, part of the plan here. Name, image, and likeness, I think, is a game-changer, folks. And the fact that BYU is staying on top of this, I think that BYU is being smart about it. They want to make sure that their student-athletes have the opportunity to get as much out of their education that as they can get. And I think it's an absolutely brilliant move. So stay tuned for that today if you're listening to this earlier early enough on in the day. If you're listening to it later in the day, well I tried to give you as a heads up. You probably should listen to the show a little earlier in the morning, but nonetheless, wanted to make sure that was out there. And then finally, congratulations to both the men's and women's uh, track and field and cross-country programs. The BYU women were named the NCAA Division I Terry Crawford Women's Program of the Year. The honors is award, awarded annually by the institution with the highest combined national finish during both the, both the cross-country and the track and field seasons, both indoor and outdoor. Pretty impressive. BYU obviously won the national championship in track and field on the women's side and then finished number 10 in the outdoor track season, a stellar, stellar season for the women's track and field as well as cross country program. But the men were no slouches in their own right. BYU is the men's team finishes the runner up in those standings as the NCAA division one, John McDonald men's program of the year. Uh, they finished just behind Arkansas .5 points separated the two Arkansas had 40 points in the final standings BYU 40.5 points apparently you want the lowest amount of points we're playing golf here in these rankings but congratulations to both the men's and women's track and field as well as cross-country programs on those national honors on the women's side getting the number one slot the men's team as the runner up all right that is going to do it here on this thursday edition of the show a lot more i'm sure to come out of byu football media day we'll recap it all in an edition later on today we'll hopefully have that out by early evening tonight and it'll serve as our final edition for the week so regardless whenever you hear this i hope you guys are having a great day this has been the locked on cougars podcast for june 17th 2021 and we will talk to you guys soon